0: This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast.
1: Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Made For This. Go to hellofresh.com slash madeforthis21 and use code madeforthis21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. It just felt right to close out 2022 made for this podcast with an episode that we're calling the last two percent. Jenny has talked about this concept before, but we wanted to leave you with a challenge to go to the people in your life, reach out to somebody and share that last two percent. And you're going to hear more what that means. But we are praying that God meets you in new ways, that there is new freedom around the corner in vulnerability and in confession. We cannot wait to watch what God is going to do in 2023. So here we go. Here's Jenny talking about the last 2%. We're
0: going to talk today about something that has changed my life. It is the very, to me, it is the very most important thing about my life. If it's present, I am a healthy person. And if it is not present, I am a very unhealthy person. I spent two years of my life researching the brain, and it was really fascinating. It changed my life. And I realized that. Most of us are thinking negative thoughts now. Some of you are anxious, and that's okay. You're in the majority. Uh, the minority is is thinking positive thoughts about their day today. In fact, about eighty percent of people's thoughts are negative. Ninety five percent of people's thoughts are repetitive from the day before. So that means that. They're not even having to come up with new negative things to think about. (laughs) They are thinking about the same negative things over and over and over again. And the interesting thing about our brain is when you are in negative patterns, they are breakable. You actually can change your brain. That was what the whole clear message that I got. I'm a Bible teacher who is fascinated with research because so often I have found that the Bible and science they actually work together beautifully. In fact, what what scripture told me when I was in college, post-college, had struggled with an eating disorder for, for several years and could not seem to break, I could figure out how to keep a healthy weight on. However, I could not seem to break the mental obsession with food. And I wanted to turn the channel, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I read a passage that, um, 2 Corinthians, that says, take every thought captive. And I remember in my green life application Bible that I had in my 20s, I remember just circling it and having the first thought that I had control over my, my mind and my thoughts. I had never believed that, heard that before, considered that before, and there it was in black and white in the Bible. And as I embarked on this study of the brain and how God made us and the power that he's given us, because what you see everywhere you look, I know all of you see this in your families, in your friendships, possibly in yourselves, is we have an epidemic of anxiety. We have an epidemic of depression. We have an epidemic of loneliness. It is unprecedented. No other generation has been able to document this kind of depression. In fact, the generations that you would think would be most depressed because of World War II, they actually show incredible resilience and gratitude and strength in seasons of of universal difficulty. Our generation is uniquely depressed and anxious. I, I haven't ever really gotten a lot of pushback on that. So maybe it's because nobody was alive in other generations to vouch for them, but the science and the research shows us that we're definitely in unprecedented times. And just to be super candid, This isn't a research project for me. I have, my husband walked through a season of two years of depression to where I was worried about his life at different points because he was so low that it just terrified me. And that man, even in that season, absolutely, genuinely trusted God. And so I have seen up close, and of course in my own life, have struggled even this week with thoughts that have circled and circled and circled and circled. And I I even said to my husband this week, I said... I don't know how to stop obsessing about this fear of mine. Like I don't, and again, I wrote a book about it and it was really awful and it's helped a lot of people. And I still, this weekend was forgetting and spiraling. And so I, I don't come to you today as a researcher or a Bible teacher. I come to you today as a human, alive in a generation where speaking to people that I believe are impacting that generation and influencing that generation about a topic that I think is urgent in all of our lives? And how do we change it? And I'll say this, there are really um, (laughs) a lot of people thinking about this and trying to change this. And so I want to approach this today. I could approach it from a lot of different angles, but specifically for you all today, I want to approach it from a very personal place. I want to make the assumption that you are personally teetering with mental health, like that there, there are pressures, that there is probably depression and anxiety diagnosed. And if, even if it's not diagnosed or even if you wouldn't say I'm, I'm clinically in that place, I would say over the last few years, universally, we have all been right there with exhaustion, depression, anxiety, fear, loneliness. I, I just think we're all kind of just right there on the edge, even if we don't cross over into being clinical. So I'm going to keep it really personal today, and I'm actually going to challenge you all to do something very difficult. And it is, again, the thing that has changed my life more than any other thing and kept me healthier than any other thing that I do. I'm going to call you all to do it. But before I do that, I want to set up a little bit of another framework that I really believe. When I when I did the research on the mind and on mental health, I saw several things that brought about healing and health and hope for our minds. None of them were more powerful, in my opinion, than community, than deep relationships and friendships. So I spent the next two years working on researching and doing a project with community. And turns out, not only are we the most anxious and depressed generation of any that on record, we are also the loneliest generation of any on record and this spans from kids in first grade to elderly people in nursing homes. We are universally very lonely. And I wanna specifically lean into this with you all because I think as leaders, it is the very most difficult to have deep community and to have people that really truly know you. My friend Kurt Thompson is a neuro researcher and a psychiatrist, and he says, to me, often, he said, uh, he's also my counselor. He says, Jenny, there is nothing people long for more than to be seen, to be soothed, to feel safe. That that is what the human being was longed for. He says in another way. He says when people, when a baby is born, a baby comes into the world looking for someone, looking for them. That a baby comes into the world looking for someone, looking for them, and that we never stop. That for the rest of our lives, we are looking for someone looking for us. And that deep desire, whether we admit it or not, and I think a lot of people do admit it right now, um, three and five people admitted to feeling lonely prior to the pandemic. So I'm guessing that number is up to four and a half (laughs) because I don't think the pandemic did us any favors with this topic. And so we've got an isolation crisis that I believe is fueling the mental health crisis because... If your brain is connected, the way that you heal from trauma, the way that your brain heals from difficulty is to connect with another person. It's it's just physically the way God made you. It's the way God made your brain. This is why even like bad talk therapy works. Like if you go to counseling and pay for counseling, which I highly recommend, especially as leaders, because there, there are times that you are going to need a professional to understand and to help you with the pressures that you feel that your small group at church can't help with, right? And that's what's so powerful about this group is you're doing this for each other. But what's what you're doing for each other, when you share something difficult, what you're doing is pathways that get blocked. So how people forget trauma that happened to them when they were a kid or forget trauma that even happened to them when they were an adult, the way that your brain is protecting itself is ner- like pathways close off and block so that your body can cope with that distress. And trauma can be a whole range of things. It can be a difficult relationship with your parent. It can be a difficult relationship with your child. It can be being in a marriage where your your spouse has mental health issues and has, has lashed out at you. And even though you know why, it still is traumatizing. And so trauma can run the range of abuse, but also just really difficult relationships that I think all of us have. And so what happens is your brain shuts off pathways And when those pathways are opened is when you are connecting and no longer alone in pain. The most toxic thing on planet Earth that you can do is be alone in anything, but specifically in pain. And the reason why is because your brain was made to heal through connection. And what's amazing is science, you go research this, it's everywhere. Psychiatrists know it's what the mental health world is doing. The self-help world is talking about this. But you read the Bible and it was just a given. Like that was what we were supposed to do for each other is encourage each other as long as it is called a day to bear with each other's burdens, to carry each other's burdens, to mourn with those who mourn. Some of you have been married. I'm going to speak to the guys for a minute. Although I think as a girl, I'm similar to this. So I I, I don't think this is just a gender thing. Some of you have been married for a long time and your wife has come to you multiple times bawling her eyes out. And every time you have tried to fix the problem, and you cannot understand to the life of you, and and you actually have a really helpful solution to the problem, and it has never helped. And you can't understand why. And the reason why is because there is something her brain needs, and your brain too, by the way, although boys are slower to admit it, our brains need more than an answer to fix the problem. They need companionship in the struggle. They need to know that they are not alone in the struggle. It has taken me so much discipline in groups like y'all are in right now where people are correcting me, saying, Jenny, quit telling me what you think. I want you to tell me what you feel when I share that with you. I have had to be coached to do this because I love fixing people. It is so much more fun and clean and, and rewarding to fix someone. It is just, it's, it's, I love it. And it is, it has taught me, I have to keep my mouth shut. But what's happened is I've been on the receiving end now of people listening to what I share and saying, I feel sad when you tell me about the loss of that family member and what it means to you. I feel grief when you share that pressure at work. I feel angry that your dad said that to you. That takes me off. When someone says to you, I feel this with you, all of a sudden, I'm not alone in being angry at my dad. I'm not alone in being angry that he was disapproving of me most of my childhood and still continues to hurt me. Now, I don't need them to say mad at my dad. They don't even know my dad, most of them. But but something about not feeling alone in my anger and that feeling wakes up and allows me to feel things that I hadn't felt. It allows me to heal from things that I couldn't heal from just mentally. Some of you have struggled with things and you can't figure out why you can't get over it, sin patterns or possibly just things like anxiety that you just can't break out of it and you don't know why. And you're sitting there saying to yourself, I trust God, I, why is this not working? Like I'm doing all the right things, why is this not working? I would say you need somebody to mourn with you. You need somebody to celebrate with you. You need somebody to be in it with you.
1: I truly cannot wait to get my January HelloFresh box because HelloFresh has made mealtime delicious and simple. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, even has festive eats available. Go to HelloFresh.com MadeForThis21 and use code MadeForThis21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. We love partnering with HelloFresh because it really is something that Jenny and I love so much and look forward to and both use. And there is so much variety. Like you can pick from 35 different recipes. You can pause your meals. You can do two this week and four next week. Like it's customizable for your life and helping you make mealtime simple. I mean, can we just talk about cranberry, Dijon, pork tenderloin? It's like mashed potatoes, roasted green beans with lemon zest, and this amazing, amazing pork tenderloin. It's stuff like that. It's so... Easy. You can customize it. You can bulk up your meals. You can do vegetarian meals. You can change your proteins. It's so customizable to you and what you have going on. HelloFresh quick and easy options like their 20-minute meals or their easy cleanup dishes have tons of flavor, but they're easy on effort, so they're time-saving, which means more time for you. Go to hellofresh.com/madeforthis21 and use code madeforthis21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. And now back to Jenny.
0: Withness wasn't something that the Bible talked a lot about because it was something that the Bible assumed. The entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it begins with a triune God, a God who in himself is communal. He is communal. Our God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three always was. And he revealed it right in the beginning. He said, let us create man in our image. He shows his Trinitarian form right off the bat, and then he creates a man, and the very first thing he says about him, the very first thing, and we always hear this taught about in marriage, but we don't hear it taught about in business. We don't hear it taught about in in project management, but it is not good for man to be alone. It isn't good for a human to be alone. So anything you are doing by yourself, any problem you are solving by yourself, any thought pattern you are trying to break by yourself, any sin pattern you're trying to break by yourself, I would reckon any dream you have that you're trying to build, any talk you're preparing, any leadership decision you've got to make, and you're doing it by yourself, I'm going to tell you what God said about mankind. It is not good for you to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. I have learned this even in writing books. From outlining to editing, there are people surrounding me. I am sending, Chloe is my right hand. She works with me. She leads my ministry. She is involved the whole process of writing a book. That is an isolated project, right? I spent a lot of hours alone, but I'm constantly bringing people in. Why? Because it is not good for people to be alone. And I would say that the ability to let people into your life is a skill that is learned, it is a skill that is risky, it is a skill that costs potentially everything. If you think about the most difficult moments in your life, they probably were not the moments of a diagnosis or a death or a terrible phone call. They were moments of betrayal, of rejection, of hurt. I'm not saying that the diagnoses weren't terrible, But the times you have been isolated and alone and been turned against and betrayed, because oftentimes in my life, the most difficult moments of my life, people moved in in the force, great force. They were around me. I wasn't alone in those moments. I felt really loved and held up, and I felt the presence of God and the presence of people. But the times that I have had gossip spread about me to where people have doubted me and my leadership— and I have been alone in my room and not wanted to get out of bed, those have been dark, dark moments where I don't know if I'm going to make it. People are the best of life and the worst of life. They are the best moments. In fact, every moment that you think of as your best memories that you've ever had, they probably have people you love in them, right? And every worst moment probably has someone that has hurt you in them. And so this is... The riskiest thing we can do is to open ourselves up to people. But specifically today, what I want to share with you, most of you are probably known to a few people decently well, but I would say probably every one of you has 2% of your life that nobody knows. And I don't even necessarily mean that it's uber dark and twisty, although it could be, and that's fine because we have a savior that covers that sin. But many of you have thought patterns, anxiety, fears, small things that have entangled your mind and caused you to spiral and caused you to feel stuck that you really haven't uttered out loud. And I think there's several reasons for that. One of the reasons could be that it doesn't feel like that big a deal. And I would say that often is how the enemy causes me to not share things with people that love me, because I actually have a really good crew around me, is I just kind of write it off as, uh, ah, it's not that big a deal. Some of you, it is a big deal, and you know it's a big deal, but you're certain if you share it, it's going to screw up your whole life. And I would say this, it's only going to screw up your whole life if you don't share it. Because if, and I understand this is a group that believes the Bible and, and loves Jesus, so if you do... Which I don't assume all of you do, but if 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 you do, then <laughs> this is a wild verse in the Bible. But it says Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I don't care what your two percent how bad and twisty and dark it is. That verse to me says that there is an ability to say out loud anything. One of my good friends. Let me talk about this on a really supernatural plane for a second. One of my good friends has a really difficult marriage, and. She came to me a few years ago and said, hey, I just need to say this out loud. I am really attracted to my tennis pro. And we have been texting some by ourselves and I'm getting scared. And I just need to say this out loud. And I was like, girl, I mean, I I kind of wanted to give her a standing ovation because she is a very, very involved Christian, like godly family, people respect them. And I was like, Oh, you just, okay, all right. Like, I mean, I was taken back just that she was that candid and honest. And it's happened. I mean, it's happened to me before where all of a sudden I had a tra- attraction to somebody I didn't mean to. But I don't remember saying that out loud very quickly. She told me a week later, she, I after, I checked in on her, you know, with her about it. And she said, oh, Jenny, the second I said it out loud, I haven't struggled with it since. Which tells me... <laughs> It is not good for man to be alone. And there's more to it than simply having a buddy in it. It's spiritual warfare. When you say something out loud, you break bonds with the devil because think about it. The devil, let me just read to you. I like to prove that I'm not just making stuff up. Uh, Or John 8. And Jesus is talking about the devil and he says, you are of your father, the devil, Bummer that Jesus would say that to someone. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was murderous from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I think it was six times he says the same thing about the devil. As a writer, it's 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 a mode of communication. When you say something six times in one sentence, one and a half sentences, you are making a point. What does... Jesus wants us to be really clear about the devil. He's a liar. And where are you most isolated where you can hide anything in your mind? My friend could have kept that secret. She could have kept texting with that guy. She could have, it would have potentially led to an affair. I don't think it would have shrunk. I don't think that, that she would have felt the freedom she felt. But she said it out loud, what was in her mind. And immediately, I believe the devil lost his power but we don't say things out loud and we hide 2%, whatever that 2% is. And I am not just talking about sin, although that can be a big one, anything. I just know I can't carry my brain alone because the enemy wants to derail us, discourage us, distract us, and get us off mission. And he'll take something small and seemingly inconsequential and totally derail you. And he will take something huge and lead you down the road to total destruction if he can. He'll do both. He'll take whatever will work. But he is a liar. And he is trying to confuse us, distract us, take us into um, isolation with our problems. And here's the opposite. And I'll close with this. The opposite is true as well. Isolation alone with our thoughts is so destructive. It is so dangerous it is toxic, and it will lead to an isolated toxic life for you. Even if you can pull off a good performance for everybody inside, you will be a mess. But the opposite is true. You say out loud to safe people, just a few, that 2%, and it loses its power. It loses its power. Even if there's not some supernatural break, although I think sometimes you will have that, you won't be alone in it. And you will have somebody that is sad with you, and something about that makes you feel better. Something about that heals something inside. Some of you are single, some of you don't have a spouse, and I would say you have the most potential for deep friendships. (laughs) You have more margin and you can pursue this without the complicated nature of can can I go out tonight husband can we you know can we go with this these couples to this trip can we you you've got the ability in fact Lisa Huntsbury is our CFO here she's 60 and she's never been married i've never i want my life to be like hers i've never seen someone with better community than lisa Huntsbury. but whether you're married whether you're single This has to become a priority for us in our generation. It it should be banners over your company that we do not do things alone. We are going to bring, in fact, I asked my team one time, I said, how likely are you to ask for help? And they said, not comfortable, not comfortable. And we have worked really hard to change that culture, that we have a culture now where if there is a problem, if you hit any tension, you bring people in immediately. We do not do things alone.
1: hey, it's Chloe, don't forget to go download the Dream Guide. It is this time of year. I mean, you can really use it any time of year to take inventory of like all the different areas of your life, to think about what the past year was like for you relationally, emotionally, spiritually, with work, with adventure, like all these different categories. And then you also can go, hey, what do I want to do or think or pray or move forward on in this coming year? So it's completely free. You can go to JennyAllen.com and find the dream guide it's a free pdf we'll send it right to your inbox you can print it out and use it with somebody do your own dream guide and then sit down with a friend family member or a spouse and go through it and there's conversation questions you can use at the very end thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time for another episode of the made for this podcast